if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to, at this time, go ahead and uh, turn to the book of Psalms. We will continue in this. Uh, God's got some good, good, good stuff for us this morning. I love this. Um, Psalms 27, let's start at verse number one. We're going to go all the way to verse number four so far, okay? Uh, a Psalm of David, amen. The Lord is my light and my salvation, amen. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. Praise the Lord. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading, hearing, and and uh, doing of his word. God is always good all, all the time. One thing have I desired that will I seek after, right? Now we're continuing in this, uh, we're continuing in this vein and in this, um, um, this topic. One thing have I desired that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So we're in that, that portion that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now we're talking about uh, characteristics of godly goals and we have been going through this. We've been breaking down um, the different characteristics and aspects of godly goals or God-centered goals that we see in the scripture. And it has uh, indeed uh, been a uh, been a blessing throughout all of it. It has been a blessing um, what God has 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 given us, and we've learned we've learned a lot about these God-centered goals, okay, or these godly goals, okay. Now we're in part six of this, and 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 as we go into this, we we we've we've gotten to the part where we are now dealing with something that is extremely. Um, extremely important. Okay. It's, it's, it's important because it is a topic that is often misunderstood and it is a topic, uh, within scripture that, um, that unfortunately for, for, for one reason or another, there is so much misinformation on this and we get this wrong all the time. And it's, in regards to God's holiness. Now we learned a lot um, last week for those of you who are able to attend um, and those of you who are able um, to not attend, but you were able to perhaps stream it or download it or, um, uh, or however you, 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 you got it, you were able to get the lesson from last week. Then you know that last week we did a deep dive. We, we started a deep dive into this concept of God's holiness, okay? And there were a lot of things that we learned. We learned that God's holiness predates the law, okay? That's one thing that we learned, and, that is a, and that's critical. You need to know that holiness predates the law, okay? So before you get into, so well before you get into Leviticus, amen, 
where we are commanded to be holy because you start to see that all right in the book of um you start to see it specifically like that when you get into the book of um of uh, of leviticus and other bo books that really contain the law um you really start to see it there and the temptation is is that because you start to see this call for holiness there okay it's sometimes it, it's easy to misunderstand or easy to kind of start thinking that it was it was after the introduction of the law that the requirement for holiness started to be made known but that's not true the holiness okay holiness predates the law amen it's just like tithing a lot of people think tithing came into the came into the fray uh once the law came into the fray no 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 tithing predates the law and so too does holiness predate the law before the law was made known or given to man there was a lifestyle that was pleasing to god and so we talked a lot about this on last week we um we said that we were first introduced to this way okay before before it's formalized be holy we learn or we start to learn that there is a way the first introduction to this holiness is by way of a walk or a lifestyle so it's not explicitly or formally called or referred to as holiness yet in the scripture but this but all of the tenets all of the building blocks all of the elements of holiness are found present in this walk or in this way and we first get introduced to this way through the narrative of enoch and we learned about that and uh, we learned about that uh, in genesis 5 uh, 19 through 24 and we also looked at hebrews 11 and 5 we also did um look into not just these but we also looked at the intertestamental um period books okay so these are the books that are um that are formerly known um or that are uh, currently known as the apocrypha or actually they're actually or deuterocanonical books that's what that those all refer to the same thing and these are those books that were written in that intertestamental um, period of, of time so between the old testament and the new testament and we learned that in there there's more information because we said that this way we really start to get introduced to it when we get into the book when we get into the narrative of enoch now we gave you uh the uh one of the books um the intertestamental books is called the wisdom of solomon amen and we in chapter 4 verse 10 through 14 he pleased god and was beloved of him so that living among sinners he was translated yea speedily was he taken away this is talking about enoch lest that wickedness should alter his understanding or deceit beguile his soul for the bewitching of naughtiness that means unrighteousness sin everything that's un that is unclean before god doth obscure things that are honest and that is absolutely true you start looking at stuff that's wrong long you know long enough before you know it your outlook is going to get jaded your whole your whole perspective is going to get twisted up because you're focusing on things that are wrong and the wandering of concupiscence that's lust okay um, doth undermine the simple mind. A whole lot of people have gone the wrong way because they've allowed lust to come in and to take over. And when that lust comes in and begins to take over, or they begin to give themselves to that, those who were simple in the in the very beginning, those who were very straightforward, all of a sudden they begin to lose all of that. The Bible says, "He being made perfect in a short time, fulfilled a long time, for his soul pleased the Lord." Therefore hasted he to take uh, him away and uh, from among the wicked. Now, when we look at the scriptures in 
in Genesis 5, 19 through 24 and, and Hebrews 11 to 5, we learn about Enoch. And we all we learn is, is that he was translated. Okay. God, God took him. All right. Um, in fact, Hebrews um, 11 and 5 says, by faith, Enoch was translated at that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before, watch this, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And one of the things that we talked about last week was, was that the, right there in Hebrews, that's about the end of it. That's the totality at the end of what we have in the New Testament, okay? After Genesis 5, 19 through 24, then Hebrews 11 and 5, in the books, in the set of the of, of book, of the scriptures that we have, okay? So your Bible having the 66 um, books. So those of you who do not have the Deuterocanical books in there, I have that in mine. You may not necessarily have that in yours. If you don't have that in yours, then the then Genesis 5, 19 through 24 and Hebrews 11 and 5 is all you know. That's all you have on Enoch, but there's actually more on Enoch than what you actually have. The Bible said in Hebrews 11 and 5, if God had translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, in the 66 books, you don't have that. You don't, you don't see that testimony. All you have, brothers and sisters, is a record here in Hebrews saying that before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. The question that we had last week, which we answered, was where is that testimony? That's why we brought in the intertestamental book or the wisdom of Solomon, because if you read it again, it should still be on your screen. The Bible says it's here. Verse number 10, he pleased God and was beloved of him so that living among sinners, he was translated. So the New Testament writer in Hebrews, the testimony that he's referring to it comes from this intertestamental book. And a lot of people don't know that. That's where that comes from. Another uh, location of that testimony, because I also told you when God does things, um, um, uh, repetition in scripture, okay, is a, is a huge sign of importance. When God does a thing twice in scripture, the Bible teaches this, the Bible shows us this, that it represents that God or means that God is establishing something. So not only did we take one of the intertestamental books, but I also gave you another one for you to look at as well. The book of Sarek, which is also called Ecclesiasticus, not Ecclesiastes, which you normally have in your, um, in, in probably the, uh, the, uh, the, the set of scriptures in the Bible that you have that have just 66. But in the Deuterocanical books, there is the, another book called Ecclesiasticus or the book of Sarah. They're one and the same. They just have, there are different names that it sometimes go by. And the Bible says this in 44 verse uh, 16, Enoch pleased the Lord and was translated being an example of repentance to all generations. Amen. Now, again, here it is in these books, you have confirmation. So when the Hebrew writer is talking about before his translation, we have this testimony. The question is, is where is that testimony? And what we've just done is that I just gave you the testimony. This is what they were quoting from. This is what the New Testament writer was alluding to. This is where it actually came from. Amen. Glory to God. So that's the wisdom of Solomon. And that is the book of Sarah or Ecclesiasticus. We also gave you another scripture that also in the book of Sarah, 
Masoeric or Ecclesiasticus uh, 49 and 14 that also confirms the translation. But upon the earth was no man created like Enoch, for he was taken from the earth. When we say taken from the earth, what we're referring to again is that translation. So we, we covered a lot of these things and amen, glory to God. I don't know about you, but that was that that was just some some good stuff. I put that on the screen because I know that many of you or most of you don't necessarily have those books or don't have access to that. But I wanted you to see that um, because that's very, very, very important so that, you know, because without that, you don't realize and like that it's left kind of open ended or it would can seem open ended. But no, it's actually not open ended at all. Amen. You just have to have the other set that actually shows where that came from now the way begins to be so we begin to see with enoch okay god took enoch he was he was he was there was no man like him he was he was perfect all of these 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 different these different things he pleased god we learn and that's the main thing he pleased god and when we start looking at that that alludes to something that god would take enoch translated meaning that he wouldn't see death okay the way that the way the way that everybody else go he didn't go that way Amen. He got God took him, and that was a uh, a type, okay, uh, you know, of other things to come. Amen. But the fact that God would take him because He pleased him, that alludes to a way or a walk or a lifestyle. Amen. Now the way begins to further be revealed when we get to Noah, and when you turn to Genesis chapter six and nine. This is another thing that we get into. When we get to Genesis six and nine, we see here this. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. The word, notice the, the language. We've got a couple words. We've got just, amen. And then in addition to the word just, we have perfect. Now put that up on your screen so that you can follow along with this because we're gonna build off of this, right? Now, the way begins to be further revealed. So God now is, is, so with Enoch, we get exposed to the fact, wait a minute, there is a light, there's something. There is a way of walking. There is a way of talking. There is a way of living that is absolutely pleasing to God. We first get, start to get introduced to that with Enoch. Now, let me back up. Now, as I said last week, and I will re-enter, technically, we actually start getting introduced to this, not with Enoch, okay? We, you, you can see elements of it with Adam, because Adam was, God walked with, with, with Adam, okay? So you see, you, 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 so you, do, you do see it early on. You begin to see, um, you know, to, you, you begin to, 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 to see that, okay? You, can, you, begin, you see that elements of it with, with Abel. Okay, so we begin to we, we do start to see it a little bit early, but it's just that when you get to Enoch, you start to get it starts to become a little bit more crystal clear. Things start to really come into focus as far as this way that is pleasing to God, because Enoch walked in that way so good, so well that God translated him. Now, if God will take him so that he don't even see death. Now, you know. Something's going on. Something good is going on about that lifestyle. When we have a testimony that says that Enoch pleased God, please don't take that lightly, brothers and sisters. Don't just pass over that. Don't skip over that. That, that is something to be said that he pleased God because there was something about his life and his walk that God said, you know what? I'm taking you home with me. You know, you ain't even, you're not going to go to normal process. You're going to go this way. Amen. 
with Noah, we begin to see it a little bit clearer. Now, in the scripture, in Genesis 6 and 9, we got the word just, which really means righteous, or it is characterized by or proceeding from um, accepted standards of morality or justice. So when we talk about just, that's what it means. It's, it's that, that it's those accepted, um, that which is just is that which is considered those accepted standards of morality and justice, okay? All right, or, or righteousness or correctness, however you want to put that. Then you got the word perfect, because remember, the Bible tells us as far as, as, far as uh, Noah is concerned, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a what? Just man and perfect in his generation. He's talking about his character, his walk, okay? He's talking about his lifestyle when he calls him a just man and a perfect man. Perfect literally means uh, blameless or uh, free of guilt, not subject to blame. So we got blamelessness and you see all of these words, but one of these words that I really want to, to, put, to, to really look in and zero in is towards the end where it also means without sin, upright. Amen, amen, amen. There is a without, without sin perfect okay and really what this is really driving to and what we're getting into this way that is righteous or that this this morally uh um, these acceptable moral standards at least to god because now when we talk about that we're not talking about acceptable moral standards for this world no we're not talking about that we don't care about that we're talking about what is acceptable to god okay because remember it was god that told Enoch, that said that you know that 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 can, that took enoch okay it was god that 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 said that he pleased him okay it was god that said of noah amen that noah was a just man it was god that is saying that he's perfect in he was perfect in his ways and what that means is is that he's walking honestly uh, well-behaved, but without sin. And that is very important because when you get into that, that is where we really start to get into holiness, okay? So the way starts to become clear because the way of walking before God that pleases God is a way, a way to, the, a lifestyle that pleases God is a lifestyle, okay? That is without fault. It is a lifestyle that is faultless. It is a lifestyle that doesn't have blemishes, okay? It's impeccable, it's honest, it's, it's devout, it's, it's full of integrity, it's, it's healthy, it's well-behaved, it is guiltless, it's civilized, it's upright, it's honest, it is without sin, amen? And, and, and when we talk about that, that is, we're saying that this is a lifestyle that is pleasing to God, amen? And that's very important, okay? Because that are, those are the characteristics of the lifestyle that Enoch had, or the lifestyle, amen, the lifestyle that, that, that Noah had, it was those characteristics about them that God got excited about, that God was pleased with. Before the law was made known, amen, okay? Before the law was made known, we already know that there was a way that was pleasing to God. We start to see that with Enoch, okay? We also begin to see what that way is. God starts to shed light on that, on that way when we, got, when we get to Noah. Noah was a just man, and he was perfect in all his ways. When we break that down, you begin to see what the words are or what perfect and, 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 and what just actually meant. Those were the content or that was the content of the life 
of Noah and the content of the life of Enoch. And it was those characteristics that was intoxicating, so to speak, or, it's, or enticing to God. It just not, not intoxicating, but it was enticing is the word I meant. Those were, it was those elements that were just, that were so enticing to God, so desirable by, to God. Those were the things that God got excited about, amen. But in addition to those two things, before the law was made known or before it was given to man, the requirements for walking in that way had already been given to man. This is why we said, it's important to know, that holiness predates the law. The way that, um, that Noah walked, when the Bible says that he was just and he was perfect, what that actually meant, brothers and sis sisters, is, is that Noah was holy. He was walking in holiness. Amen. He was being holy. Those were the elements of holiness. Now, before the law was made known, okay, the requirements to walk this way had already actually been given to man, and it was given to man before the law, amen, and we start to see this with Abraham in Genesis 17, amen, and one, and if you look at that, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, so he's 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. Now, his name had not been changed to Abraham yet, so he's Abram, right? And said unto him, I am the almighty God. Notice, watch the commandment. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Now, we already broke down what perfect meant. Amen. We already talked about what, what, what perfect meant. And we discovered basically in essence that when, we, when the Bible says that Noah was perfect, amen. Okay. And, 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 and when we, and, and when we break down what it was that actually pleased God about Enoch, amen. It was the same thing that was attributed to Noah and that Noah was perfect. And when we get into that, we've learned that that literally means or literally shows us that Noah was what? Walking in holiness. Amen. Glory to God. So when we get to Abram or Abraham, who's 99 years old, and the Bible says the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Notice what he said, walk before me and be thou perfect. The same thing that Noah was, which was the same thing about Enoch that pleased God. Before the law comes into the fray, before it is formally ratified, or in other words, put down formally, before it comes in formally, you see God requiring that in Abram or in Abraham. Walk before me, be thou perfect. God was already calling. Glory to God. Amen. God was already calling for us to have a lifestyle that's pleasing to him. Amen. Amen. And that is good to, that is good to know. Because when it comes to the topic of holiness, brothers and sisters, let me, I want to, I want to make sure that this is abundantly, is, a, is, a, is abundantly clear. I have run into many people who love to take scripture out of context and love to try to, you know, uh, when, especially when it talks about things that we learn about God in the Old Testament, to go ahead and say that these things are void, they have no place and all this kind of stuff, or this was under the Old Testament or the Old Covenant rather, and this was under the law. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. In the law, now Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. 
That is what he did. Amen. So the requirements that the law had in the natural, all of these things, Jesus Christ fulfilled all of that. Amen. So we are no longer, un, we are no longer, we no longer need to seek salvation by way of keeping the formal law. Okay. Amen. No, we don't need to do that. No, 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 not at all. But what the, but that does not mean that the law is obsolete. Doesn't mean that the law is void. Um, the uh, New Testament writer in uh, Timothy tells us, wherefore we know the law is good if it be used lawfully. The law has a purpose still. The law is for the purpose of convicting of sin, which means that it is absolutely a tool that you are supposed to be using when you are witnessing and you're evangelizing or you're sharing the gospel. Why? Because it is the law that convicts a hardened sinner of their sin. The person that feels that they ain't that bad and all this kind of stuff and feels like, you know what, I'm, I'm all right and, and I'm this, that, and the other. Uh -uh. The law comes in and shuts all that down. Because if you break just one aspect of the law, you're guilty of all of it. The, the law shows or establishes sin. Paul said, I had not known sin except by the law. So I didn't even know what sin was until the law came in and established it. In other words, it established or defined right from wrong in respect to God. Amen. So in other words, it defined God's idea or God's concept of right and wrong. It defined the true standards of right and wrong. And therefore, the law is necessary, what? To understand what is right and what is wrong. That's what it's for. So number one, it's to be used in witnessing. And then number two, it's, to, it's, to, it's so, you can, so, that, so you can check your own morality meter. So you don't use yourself as your own as your own litmus test and your own gold and your own gold star standard. No, you can't. No, no, no. Uh, 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 uh. The word of God is true north, not you, not your ideas, not somebody else's concept. No, the Bible decides and defines what is right and what is wrong. You and I don't get to come in all after the fact with our own ideas and our own concepts talking about this is right. We don't get to take what the world is saying is right and wrong and then replace what God said is right and wrong with, for that. No, we don't do that. God's word, God's standard is the one that matters and it is the one that counts. And if you don't do things God's way, you got to understand it's going to be God's standard that condemn you. Glory to God. Glory to God. So we've got to under, we, we, we have to make sure that we, we understand and we keep all of these, all of these things in mind. We got to understand that it's God's standard. Okay. It's God's standard. And we've got to measure up to God's standard. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Now, as we continue on with this, the way of God has an actual name and it is not named after a denomination. I'm going to camp right here for just a minute on that because this here is good. This is, this is good, good stuff here because godly goals have, if you want God, true godly goals and the ones that have, a, and even the ones that have a God-centered component to it, if you're going to attain those things, you got to have holiness. It, 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 it is not even optional. You have to have holiness. And there are things that we've got to understand about God's holiness um, so that we don't make a mistake and start putting and start substituting God's holiness for some knockoff, something that we done came up with and we want to pass off as holy. What you got ain't holy. What God got is holy. We need what he has, not what we got. We need what he has. 
Amen. And if we don't get what he has, we need to understand what he has. Bible tells us in all our getting, we got to get an understanding. So that's what we're doing here this, this morning is, is that we're getting an understanding. Amen. Glory to God. Now, the way of God, okay? So the way of God, this way that he told, that, that he declared of Noah, okay? This way that Enoch was walking in that was so, that was so pleasing. This way that he required Abraham to walk in. Amen. This way actually has a name, and it is not the name of a denomination, and that's, and you need to know that, because a lot of people, unfortunately, brothers and sisters, you got it, we get it twisted, I, we get it all the way twisted, so let me explain it to you, the, the God's way is not called Pentecostal, it is not called Baptist, it is not even called Christianity, amen, that ain't, the word Christianity ain't in the Bible. No, it is not. Not that no, it's not. It's not. It's not called. It's not called Lutheran. It's not called Seventh Day Adventist. It's not called Church of God in Christ. Uh, it ain't called none of that. No, no, no. It ain't called. Uh, it ain't. It ain't called full gospel. Nope. It ain't called Southern Baptist. It ain't called this, and it ain't called that. No, 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 and more no. God's way ain't called none of that. It ain't called apostolic. That word apostolic ain't in the, ain't in the scripture. Glory to God. It's not called that. And it's a whole lot of people that get twisted up on all these other things. And all they're doing is becoming clickish. But you're not being holy. It's not called that. God actually has a name for his walk and his way. But where but why do we even get all where, where all this denomination stuff come from? Why we get all that? I'm glad you asked. Turn to the book of James. I want you to look at verse chapter three. And I want you to start looking at verse number 17. Bible says this, James chapter uh, three, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, amen, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That word partiality, okay, or that phrase without partiality means non-divisive, amen, means not tending to cause factions or divisions within a group. We are all Christians, yet it's funny how we have all of these different divisions, and look at what the Bible said, that God's will, it don't, it don't have all that. It's without hypocrisy, amen. And these are things that we got to get out of. Verse 18, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace that make uh, peace, in peace of them that make peace. Amen. Glory to God. Now I want you to look at James chapter four. So come on down to chapter four. And I want you to look at verse one through three. From whence come wars? <laughs> Glory to God. And fighting among you. So wars is, is talking about these battles on a larger scale. And then fighting is talking about the actual skirmishes there within the war. Amen. He says, from whence come wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence even of your own lusts. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Even of your own lusts, that war in your members, ye lust, look at the word of God, and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. 
ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. That's where it comes from. We got desires that word lust there means desires or that feeling that is accompanied or that accompanies a, a state of unsatisfaction. I'm not satisfied. I want it all. I want to control everything. I want to run everything. I don't like the way he's doing it. I don't like the way they're, they're doing it. I can't get along with them. I got to do it my way. That's where you denominate all this stuff come from. The Bible is very, Bible is telling you right down the middle, but I'm going to say it brothers and sisters and whatever. It, I'm going I'm, to I'm, 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 I'm preach it as best as I can. I'm going to teach it as best as I can. I'm going to say it as loud and as often as I can. God's way don't have nothing to do with denomination. God's way is not called all this other stuff. What then is it called? Look at Isaiah. Amen. Glory to God. Chapter 35, verse 4. We're going to look, go through verse number, uh, we're going to go all the way through verse number eight. Amen. When we get into that, Isaiah 35, four through eight, say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but that scripture alone gives me a whole lot of comfort. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. This is prophecy. This is prophetic. This is talking about Jesus coming. That's what we get into. Verse number seven. And the preach, excuse me, and the parched ground shall become a pool. And the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and, and rushes. Look at all this life that's going to come with, with Jesus. He's, 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 he, he, he is that he is the water of life. And this is what all this stuff is talking about, the ministry. Okay, It's prophetic, talking about who Jesus is and what Jesus would do and what Jesus would, would, would bring. And, 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 and verse number eight. And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of what? Holiness. Holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, the fools shall not err therein. Look at what, look at that A portion of verse number eight. And a highway shall be there, and a way, I told you, we started to see this way with Enoch. Then it started to become this way, got more defined when we started looking at Noah. Amen. And then we started to see that prior to the law, this way was required, started to be required. And we saw that with Abram or Abraham. And now we define what that way actually is. And lo and behold, guess what? That way is not Catholic. <laughs> that way is not Pentecostal. That way is not Baptist. That way is not apostolic. That way is none of that. You don't have any of that. The Bible says, and a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. Stop trying to be all that other stuff and just be holy. 
trying to be all that other stuff, you're working too hard. And God ain't told you to do that. God have not told you to be none of that other stuff. God told you to be holy. He told me to be holy. And he's telling you and what he's shown us through Enoch, through the testimony of Enoch and this testimony of Noah and this testimony of Abraham, these three witnesses that we have, he is telling you there is a way that he wants and there is, and that way has a name. And this is what you got to do if you want to be pleasing to God. Amen. It's called the way of holiness. Don't get caught up in all that divisive talk that people do. It's a shame and it is wickedness before God that we got 31 flavors of being a Christian. God ain't never told that. God told us to do that. There's only one church, one church, one church. And if you gonna make it, brothers and sisters, you got to be born of the water and of the spirit because if you're not, you're not in no way gonna enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, you got to repent of those sins. I've got to repent of my sins. I've got to be water baptized, full immersion in the water just the way they did it. And I got to be baptized in not his titles. I've been baptized in the name. He has a name that encompasses the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, which are titles of God. That name is Jesus, and it's the only name that's given, whereby men can be saved. You can't be saved under no other way. You got to do it that way. And when you do it that way, you are walking in the path of holiness. Glory to God. I love how God just puts all of this stuff together. But what is holiness? <laughs> what is holiness? We know it's a way. We know that God wants us to have it. And we've got some a definition of the characteristics and some things about it. But what is this holiness? Amen. What is this holiness that God wants us to walk in and wants us to be? Well, holiness in regard to God or with respect to God, brothers and sisters, holiness is a chief attribute or characteristic of his. Amen. It is the chief attribute or characteristics of God. When we talk about it in respect to God, or when we talk about God's holiness, brothers and sisters, when we talk about God's holiness, we are talking about the very nature of God Almighty, because God is holy. Look at Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple above it, stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings with twain did Twain, he covered his face, and with twain, he covered his feet, and with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is holy. That's the first thing you got to know when we talk about holiness in reference to God. So when we talk about, when we talk about in reference to God, you're talking about a characteristic of God. God is holy. Amen. You're talking about his nature. Okay, you're literally talking about the nature of God when we when the when the topic of holiness comes up in reference to God or or when we single out God alone, you're talking about his nature. Amen. Glory to God. Now, holiness in regards or with respect to mankind is a little bit different because when we talk about it from God, it's his nature. But when we talk about it for us, it is a quality to be developed in us. Amen or in his people, okay? So in other words, our nature in and of itself is not holy. No, we have, we have a fallen nature, a sinful nature. And that flesh nature of ours is broken. 
It's full of sin. It's corrupted. Okay. So by nature alone, we are not holy. God by nature alone is holy, but you and I are not. No, no, no. You and I are not holy by nature alone. When we talk about holiness, brothers and sisters, in regards to mankind, so us, right? We're really talking about, okay? We're talking about what God wants us to be. Look at Leviticus 20 and 7. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy for what? I am the Lord your God. So when we talk about it from our perspective, you're talking about something to be that, that something that has to be developed or to develop in us. And when we talk about it, you're talking about something or this quality, you're talking about what God wants us to be. And that's what Leviticus 20 and 7. And, and truth be told, it's something that we should want to be. Isaiah 26, 9. What with my soul have I desired thee in the night? Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of this world will learn righteousness. With my soul have I desired. Have I desired thee? You got to want what God wants. Holiness, when it, in respect to us, is a character, is a quality that God wants us to have, but it is also something that we have to want to have ourselves. God wants us to have it. But the question is, is do you want it? Do you want what God wants for you? And you'll be surprised at how many people walk in a spirit of discontent. Why? Because they're hungering and thirsting after the things that the flesh want, not the things that God wants not the thing that the spirit wants. Amen. Do you want what God wants for you? And that's a good thing. To, that's something that we've got to consider. We have to know that. Holiness, we're talking about what is holiness, okay? Holiness and, the, and, and its adjective, holy. So holiness and holy, okay? Between the combination of these two, okay? They occur about more, more than 900 times, okay, in the Bible. You will find either holy or holiness, okay? You're going to find that combination of those two words, just those two words alone, right? You're going to find that a combination about 900 times. The primary Old Testament word for holiness means to cut or to separate, okay? Fundamentally, holiness is a cutting off or a separation from what is unclean and a consecration to what is pure. And I hope you're taking notes because you need to take that down. That one, that don't forget that. The primary Old Testament word for holiness means to cut or to separate. And fundamentally, holiness, when we get into it, is a cutting off or separation from what is unclean and consecration to what is pure. Now, when we talk about this, there is a doctrinal term that gets tossed around that is often used to represent this very aspect. And in religious academia, this is treated as a subject all its own. But in actuality, it is actually, a it is actually under the uh, umbrella of a larger study. In religious academia, there we, we, this is taught as the doctrine of sanctification because that is what sanctification is. It is to be separated, 
okay, from that which is unright, that which is unclean. It is to be separated, amen, and then it is to be dedicated, okay, unto God. So you're being separated from what's not right, and then you are being dedicated to um, that which is. That is the doctrine or the formal teaching, uh, in a nutshell, of sanctification. That's what sanctification, but in actuality, and, when it, and in religious ac academia, it's treated as a separate subject. But in actuality, uh, when we put it all together and we look at this through the lens, not of religious academia, but we look at it strictly through the lens of the Bible, and that's what you need to be looking at. Probably that's what we need to be looking at. When we look at it from that angle, sanctification is actually a part of holiness. That's why I say it's under that umbrella because that is part of what holiness means. See, when you're holy, it means to be clean. It means to be, it means to be clean. It means to be pure. It means to be undefiled. There's no, no variance. There's no shadow. There's no, there's, there's, there, there, there's, there, there's no yin and yang, yin and yang, you know, uh -uh. those kind, that's a world concept and all the other kind of stuff. No, 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 there ain't none of that. There ain't this, this tad bit of dark in the middle of light. That's what yin and yang is. That's what that, no, no, God don't have none of that. What's light is light and what's dark is dark. And holiness is light. Ain't no, there's no shadow in there. There's no gray area in there. It's not dirty. It's undefiled. It's separate. It's separate from everything and everyone else. Okay? That's what it means to be holy. So make sure you understand that. Now, when we deal with this word, because we we're digging into it, there, there really are about 11 words. Now I'm talking about the word holy now. Okay? So between holiness and holy, there's 900 different occurrence or more. Okay, but when we start looking at just the word holy itself, there's only there there are about eleven words between the Hebrew and the Greek. There's six um, Hebrew words and there's five Greek words. Okay, in those in that language, okay, biblical um, language um, that are translated as the word holy. Okay, and that's and that's good to know. Okay, holy, and these are some of those words, and and you can see how they are how they are used. Okay. You can take a look at that. And I want you to look at some of these different things. You've got, um, um, you got, you know, in one instance, you've got where religious pious and or, or um, godly or religious pious. You've got sanctuary, uh, the uh, sanctuary of a deity when sometimes it's used and it refers to sacred. Sometimes it's used and it refers to being able to make clean or either to be clean or to make clean. Sometimes it's translated and what it means is it's referring to a sacred place or thing, okay? Um, in other cases, it's mean and the, the way that the, the, the word that's being used is to purify or to consecrate, or it's talking about sacred things or, or a place or a person being sacred or a person being, being, being holy. So you have these different things and, 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 and I'm gonna give you the last one on that. That's uh, um, the, and, and uh, so you have these, these, you have all of these different words that 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 refer to holiness but and 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 they help describe not just how it's used amen okay but you are also but they also allow you to see the different contexts in which the word is used because depending on how it's used different aspects of the meaning of holiness surface to the front okay or to the top amen but now we know what it is, but why holiness? Amen. Why, why, why holiness? Why, why, why holiness? Well, let's talk about that. Why holiness? Number one, because the house of God must 
be holy. Amen. Look at, look at Psalms 93 and 5. Why do we got to have this holiness? Why does, God, why does God want this? Why is this the walk? Why, why is this the way that he's looking for? Because number one, you need to understand the house of God must be adorned with holiness. Psalms 93 and 5 says this, thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. In other words, and I love this one. I love, I, and this is a very easy scripture to miss. But what this scripture is actually telling you is God is really showing you that his house, what he really says when he said, when, when, the, scripture, when the scripture says, holiness becometh thine house. What he's saying is holiness looks good on you. God believes, God feels that holiness looks good on his people. It looks good in his house. It, it, holiness has to be, it says holiness becometh the house of God. In other words, it's fit for the house of God. It's right for the right house of God. It's proper for the house of God. God's house is not in an acceptable state. Listen, it's like when you get ready to invite somebody to come over to your house. You don't want your house looking a mess. Your house, if it's unkept and it's unclean, you're not going to feel unless you just love living in squalor, okay? And some people do. But, but, it, but, but if you don't, if you at all don't like that, then your, a house being unkept and untidy is not an inviting a situation for you to bring or um, guests into. You don't want to bring guests into a house that's unkept, that's unclean. Nah, it don't look good. And it gives what? A bad impression. Well, so too it is with the house of God. And, and when a house of God is devoid of holiness, God's house does not look good. That's why Psalm 95 tell you thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house. Holiness is the look that God's house has to have. Amen. Glory to God. That's good stuff. You can't have fellowship with God without it. Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10, 21. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the devil's table. Brothers and sisters, some of us got one foot in the church and one foot out. And I'm trying to tell you this. When you have one foot in the church and one foot out of the church, you in essence have both feet out of the church. There ain't no gray area. There's no middle ground, brothers and sisters. God will never bless mess. You can't live, you can't have the world and have God too. It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. You can't, you can't have fellowship with God. You want God. Many of us want what God has. We want to experience the joy of the Lord, but can't figure out why we can't feel it. Why can't I feel his presence? Because you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. You're trying to have the best of both worlds, so to speak. But ain't no best of the world. The best is in God's house. And God is not going to give it to you as long as you are trying to have what he has in addition to what this world has. Many of us, we're all dealing with this global pandemic and many of us are sheltered in place and in various locations. That's not an excuse for you to get worldly. You're still in church even if you ain't formally in the house of God. The church ain't never been in the building. The church has always been the saints. Amen. 
You can't see God without it. Look at Hebrews 12 and 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. You're not going to see God without holiness. You're not going to see him. You cannot have God's presence. You want God to hang around. You want God to be in your midst. You want God to be in your camp. I know I wanted to be in my camp. Guess what? You ain't going to have that without holiness. <laughs> no, you know you're not. Look at Psalms 24, 3 through 4, 3 and 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Notice that, his holy place. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who have not lifted up his soul unto vanity, I mean, empty things, nor sworn deceitfully. You got to have clean hands and a pure heart. That means a holy lifestyle, brothers and sisters. You can't have God's presence without it. First John 4, 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Look at John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. We talked about all of that much earlier. Look at John 15, 19 and 10, 9 and 10. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You can't have God's, you can't have holiness. You got to have, you can't have God's presence without holiness. And that holiness is going to require some obedience. Amen. Glory to God. What else? What else? What else about this? We, 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 what, what, why, why else do we, why else do we, do we, do we need this? Amen. Glory to God. In fact, let me back up. Um, let me, let me, let me back. I want to put that other one back up there. But why else do we, do we actually need this? God, brothers and sisters, has made holiness mandatory. That's another reason. So not only are you not going to have his presence, but it's mandatory. Leviticus 10, 9 and 10. Do not drink wine nor strong drink. Thou nor thy sons with thee when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and that ye may put a difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. Holiness is mandatory. God requires holiness amongst his people. Why? Because he uses us to illustrate to this world the difference between right and wrong or the difference between clean and unclean. Look at Leviticus 11, 45. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall what? Be holy. For I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy. Why? For I am holy. Look at Leviticus 20 and 7. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be what? Ye holy. For I am the Lord, for I am the Lord your God. Look at Leviticus 20 and 26. And ye shall be what? Holy unto me. For I am holy. I am the Lord am holy and have severed you from other people. And ye should, that ye should be mine. Remember, holiness means being separated. And he's telling you right there in Leviticus 20 and 26, I separated you. And I told you to be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. The other thing is, is that why you got to have holiness? 
because partial holiness is insufficient. Revelations uh, chapter two, one through six, and Revelations thirteen uh, through uh, 13, uh, verses thirteen and five, and, and Revelations uh, and, and actually let me let me let me say Revelations one verses one through six, okay, um, or Revelations two rather verses one through six, then Revelations two verses thirteen through fifteen, and then also Revelations two again verses eight through eighteen through twenty, and all of these are talking about the works of the churches. And when Jesus talks about the different churches, talking about, I know your works and all of these different things in those scripture sets, he's talking about churches, those ones that he had a problem with. Those are all churches that operated in partial holiness. Uh, uh, you can't do that. You cannot have partial holiness because with it, it's not going to work. And I invite you to read Revelations chapter two, verses one through six, Revelations chapter two verses 13 and through 15 and revelations chapter two verses 18 through 20 because partial holiness is insufficient and a lot of us are operating with partial holiness thinking that we're totally holy which means we're doing just we're doing some of what god told us to do mixed in with some of what we want to do brothers and sisters you got to be separated from that which is unclean from that which is wrong. Bible says, touch not that unclean thing. You got to be separate from it.